sitting nearby, give them a smile and let them know you're glad to see them here on Grace Church campus tonight. Those joining us on live stream and Facebook Live, we are so glad you've chosen to be part of the service tonight, and we pray that it'll be a blessing to you. As we begin this evening, let me just remind you of, of just a couple of things here, two things. Uh, this Sunday, we'll be honoring the graduates in our 11 o'clock service. If that applies to you or uh, 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 one of your children or grandchildren, please get that information to Sister Sheila like yesterday. And uh, we, we want to honor all of our graduates this Sunday. So make a note of that. And then uh, youth campers, students, uh, the registration for youth camp is live at the Louisiana District UPC website. And so if you have not already registered for youth camp, uh, now would be a good time to do that before those slots fill up. It fills up very quickly. So parents, students, make a note of that. Why don't we stand together this evening, and as always, we, we like to obey the scripture and enter to his gates with thanksgiving, uh, but we're also going to pray tonight, and I want us to pray for this service uh, here in the sanctuary, pray for Kids Church upstairs, and then we have a couple of very special requests that I want to bring to the church tonight. I want to ask your help in praying for these needs. Uh, first of all, uh, Sister Michelle Thornton and Sister Brandy Summers' mother was rushed to the hospital this afternoon, and they have asked for prayer for her. Very urgent need for their mother, so please pray for that. And then also a very special request turned in for Misty Shellnut, if you'll remember her in prayer as well. So can we do that? Let's take a moment to praise the Lord, and let's also take a moment to pray about these needs. Jesus, we thank you for yet another evening in your presence, another evening in your house, another evening in your word. What a privilege. What a privilege. I thank you, Lord, for Grace Church tonight. I thank you for our brothers and our sisters. I, I thank you for this community of believers and what you're doing in us and through us. You're a great God, and you're doing great things. We praise you tonight. And uh, I expect, Lord, tonight by faith that you'll move in a mighty way in this session in the sanctuary. Uh, Lord, I'm praying for the kids' church upstairs. Anoint our leaders, uh, anoint our kids, anoint our adults, our students. Lord, let us hear from you tonight. And then I pray, Lord, for uh, Sister Michelle and Sister Brandy's mother. Lord, I pray healing virtue would flow. I pray you would do a work. We lift her up to you by faith. We pray for Misty Shellnut, Lord, that you would work in her life, God. And we, we give you the praise for it. We know that you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, Grace Church, would you just clap your hands to the Lord? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you may be seated as pastor prepares to come to the pulpit and teach tonight from the Word of God, i just give you a very quick report. We had an amazing youth service last Wednesday night. Uh, right now, we're having youth service on the first Wednesday night of, of every month, and soon I hope that we'll be, I'm planning and hoping we'll go to two Wednesday nights a month, but last Wednesday night we had an incredible, incredible service with the students over in the Alexander Center, and uh, Sister Allison Montgomery brought an amazing word from the Lord. We had our JV youth band leading us in worship, live worship, and uh, when after those two events, the live worship and the word of God from Sister Allison uh, Montgomery, the spirit of the Lord moved in, and we had an amazing altar service. And your students, your young people, had their hands lifted, tears flowing, speaking in tongues, God moving, doing a work. 
I'm thankful for that. And that's just one facet of what God's doing at Grace Church. But it's a good report. Why don't you praise the Lord for it? Pastor's coming to teach Bible study in Jesus' name. Thank you, Brother Dave. And uh, I am thankful to hear that report about youth service last Wednesday night. Very thankful about that. I had heard some wonderful, wonderful things about youth service, and I'm thankful for our staff that does that. I'm certainly thankful for our young people. Thank the Lord. What a wonderful, wonderful uh, group of young folks, students we have here at Grace Church, and I'm supremely thankful for that. Um, great time here this past Sunday, and uh, certainly thankful for the moving of God's Spirit, even though it was Mother's Day. Still had an incredible church service here Sunday, and I'm very thankful for that. And um, <clears throat> even last Wednesday night uh, was uh, just a wonderful, wonderful time of Bible study, and uh, I'm very thankful God did a wonderful work last Wednesday night, and I'm very thankful for that. If you were not here, I would really appreciate you going back and either listening to that presentation or watching it. That being said, uh, for the past two Wednesday nights, I've been very intentional in what I'm presenting to you on Wednesday night, and I will be the same here tonight. Um, I'm doing my best to uh, lay some foundation work on, uh, Lord willing, some things that we will be bringing to you in the next, uh, hopefully the next month or so of things that we'll be doing here at Grace Church to stimulate growth and revival. And uh, so <clears throat> I'm asking you to lend me your ear. Uh, I'm not here tonight to go through the motion and to pass out big balls of cotton candy. Um, I believe God has a great revival and outpouring of the Holy Ghost for this church, and I want to be a part of it. I certainly want to be a part of it. Uh, last Wednesday night, I talked to you about why I am here and uh, really stirred up some folks, and I'm thankful for that. And uh, again, if you were not here, please go back and listen to that or watch that. I would appreciate it. Uh, there's an interesting dynamic here tonight uh, having to do with the congregational seating, and I just want all of you to know that I have noticed it because <clears throat> you will ask me after church if I noticed it. If I need to be more specific, I can. But those of you that may not have noticed, there's a group that usually sits as close to that media booth back there as they can get that decided to move way up here, and I'm thankful for that. Thank you all very much for that. Give these folks some appreciation. Amen. Thank the Lord. I deeply, deeply appreciate it and uh, means everything to me. Uh, absolutely does. Had I known it, I'd have moved down here and uh, maybe next Wednesday night. I want to talk to you tonight about God's family. Uh, you and I as the church, uh, last Wednesday night again, I talked to you about why we're here. Um, I'd like to talk to us tonight about what we are a part of because God has so much interest in it. And if you look around the building, and I realize this is Wednesday night and, and we have some breakout sessions. We have kids' church going on tonight and so on. But there's uh, a lot of empty chairs that need to have people sitting in them. <clears throat> and if somehow we could introduce people to the spirit and environment of our church, I believe a lot of people would find it very attractive. <clears throat> 
and um, <clears throat> one reason being is because the people that attend Grace Church across the board treat it as a family. Uh, there's people that attend this church that are actually closer in relationship, relationship-wise, not only to God, but to other people that attend this church. You're, you're closer to each other than you are your own uh, earthly biological family. And um, <clears throat> there's a strong feeling of relationship in this church and God knows uh, our area needs as much relationship with God and as much good quality relationship with other people as possible. And uh, so tonight I want to talk to you for a little while about God's family. And again, don't misjudge the title as just being generic and trying to make everybody feel better. We're working towards an objective here. And uh, hopefully you'll understand that better in the next few weeks. <clears throat> Many of you are familiar with a classic old tale entitled Cheaper by the Dozen about the family exploits of Frank and Lillian Gilbreth back around the turn of the 20th century. <clears throat> Two of the 12 kids wrote the book, Cheaper by the Dozen, and, uh, <clears throat> and they, they dedicated it as follows. To Dad who only reared 12 children, and to mother who reared 12 only children. And no doubt each of these 12 kids, which was Anne, Mary, Ernestine, Martha, Frank, Bill, Lil, Fred, Dan, Jack, Bob, and Jane, was special. <clears throat> Obviously don't know this family, and neither do you. Uh, this has been a number of years ago. But I can imagine in my head, I'm the youngest of seven, technically eight, but uh, the firstborn of our family uh, passed away when he was three days old. And, uh, but so the youngest of seven, make it easy. And uh, I know that in my family, all of my siblings, every last one of them, has their own personality, very strong, overpowered personality. And there's some of us that have some overlap in our personalities and what have you, but bottom line, very unique family and uh, a lot of very interesting personalities and, and dynamics and so on. So I, to be a part of a family who had 12 would be very interesting to me. Uh, but no doubt they were all special. They were unique. They were important. And uh, to these parents of 12 who were no doubt very sleep deprived. So these two newlyweds, Frank and Lillian, were on a train headed out of Oakland on their wedding day. Holding hands, they began to talk about their family. Frank says, Lily, we're going to have a wonderful life and a wonderful family, a great big family. And she agrees. She said, we're going to have children all over the house, from the basement to the attic, she said. And as they rode into their new life together, they agreed to have 12 children. In fact, he took out a piece of paper and wrote on it, don't forget to have six boys and six girls. And over the next 17 years, that's exactly what they did. They had six boys and six girls. Why have parents here in our own church 
in our own church family? Why, why have they gone ahead and been so deliberate to have children, to have babies? For what purpose do we create as parents? Do we create someone in our own image? Why do we go through the hassle and expense of growing our families? Every parent here tonight knows no matter how young or old your child is, children are very expensive. We might have a parent or two here that's wondering if it was really worth it or not. I don't know. We'll, we're not even going to go down that path. But we've discovered that God put us in this world for the purpose of Him loving us and then having us love Him back. And we call that worship. We are planned. We were planned. Everybody here tonight, we were planned for God's pleasure. Now, last Wednesday night, I talked to you about why are we here. Here's the second purpose for us being here. We were not just put here as individuals for God's pleasure, for God's good pleasure. But we were formed to be a unique part of His family. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse, uh, verse uh, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 10, the Bible said, For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons unto glory, and to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings, to bring many sons unto glory. One translation said it this way, God is the one who made all things, and all things are for His glory. And He wanted to have many children share His glory. The scientific anthropic principle points to the design in the universe, all of the intricate evidence that everything around us is carefully calibrated and designed to support human life and to make it possible for God to have a family. I've thought about this a a million times, I promise I have. It's interesting that the only planet, at least that we know of, the only planet that we know of is a planet Earth that can support human life. So God designed this massive universe, solar system, etc. And right in the middle of it, put one little ball that could handle human life. And that's what his family inhabits today. Carefully calibrated. And designed to support human life. Why? So God could have a family. You'll notice the adoption motif in, or found in, in the Bible. Especially in the book of Ephesians. You'll notice his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family. By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Actually think about it. The entire Bible is really the story of God building and restoring a family. And not just one that's here for a while and then breaks apart. You and I are in his mind as a part of an eternal group. A forever family. Now there's something that I know and you both know, that we both know here tonight that... and. I've watched some of you folks work at building the family, meaning your own, 
I've seen people with diaper bags and car seats. I've seen some people with diaper bags and car seats that I never thought I would see with diaper bags and car seats. Number two, I've seen people with more diaper bags and car seats than I expected to see. And I am still seeing people with more diaper bags and car seats than I expected. <clears throat> I think some we have some families that attend church here that they have more diaper bags and car seats than they even expected. <clears throat> I'll continue. But I've seen some of you babysitting. I've watched some of you administer discipline. Oh, Lord. I stepped out of my office one Sunday night when we was having Sunday night church way back in the day. And I heard the most, it, it sounded like someone clapping their hands almost. And then this child began to wail. And then I realized it was not somebody clapping their hands, but they were clapping one hand on the anatomy part child as that child was being administered some very serious discipline we've chuckled about that numerous times since then but I've been there when you taught your kids to pray and sing and listen to stories about Jesus and I've seen you spend time and money and energy on making your family strong and healthy we all agree tonight that a good family is work building a good family is work it's a lot of work it always has been, and it always will, always will be. God's first purpose for putting us here is to give him something to love, which I talked about last Wednesday night. Tonight we're going to take a look at God's second purpose for having created us that's even more true. We need to focus tonight on being in his family. We need to focus tonight on being his family and we need to work harder on being a part of his family first of all as it says in first peter 2 17 to love your spiritual family this is part of our purpose to love god's family he loves his family but part of our purpose for being here tonight is to love his family as well no matter who they are. If God loves them, then it behooves us to love them. I mentioned Sunday in my message uh, about Clovis don't want to be touched. Um, that God loves deeply people we despise. And that is a fact. So our purpose, part of our purpose for being here is to love this family that we call the body of Christ. And here God means the Christian church in general, we should love them. We should love the apostolic church and we should love this church. We should love Grace Church. It's God's purpose for this place to be a strong, healthy family and for us to do the necessary work to do our part to make it that way. And I I say this kindly tonight, but if you're, if you're not doing your fair share of the work as we've just described, then I'll ask you to begin to do that immediately. It behooves all of us to love one another. 
It behooves us tonight to love those who are not yet in these seats. Somebody said one time years ago, I remember hearing it when I was a teenager, we choose our friends, but God chooses our brethren. And we have to be prepared, we have to be open-minded to love the people that walk in the church door here at Grace Church, no matter who they are. It behooves us to do that. And everybody said amen. So there are several reasons why we need to do the work necessary to develop love for this family. First of all, God is love, and it makes, us, it makes us more like Him when we do that. Secondly, God simply wants His children to get along. He wants His people to get along, and I, I think we all understand that. <laughs> I remember when I was a child, some of the friction that existed in my family. And uh, have you ever been told by your parents, now hug each other and say you're sorry? Has anybody ever been down that path before? Is there parents here tonight that repeat the same thing to your children? No, I bet you hated that. You make your children do the same thing. Hands are up all over the building. That is amazing. I can say this. Saying I'm sorry to avoid a spanking is a facade. It is false repentance. But in this case, false repentance is better than none. And I have sometimes said sorry with veins in my neck standing out and my fist still clenched and I would give a, my sibling a look which plainly indicated obvious hypocrisy that I was not sorry and that the battle would resume as soon as mom or dad left the room. Eye contact can sling fist and say words and everything. But this is what God desires from us, true love for each other. In heaven, we're going to love God forever, and in heaven, we're going to love our neighbors forever. Amen. So right here, right now in this place, under these human circumstances, we're supposed to practice loving each other, forgiving each other, working out our differences. I suppose it is healthy sometimes that there are some disagreements. I, I agree with that. Because then we can practice loving one another and learning the spiritual maturity of give and take of treating each other as family. And everybody said amen. I thank God for the church tonight. Thank God for being a part of this truly amazing church family that we know as Grace Church. So what exactly is the nature of fellowship with God? What does He intend for us to experience here? The word worship is often relegated to a narrow idea, sometimes that of just music and singing. And the same thing happens here. We have our times of fellowship where we talk about politics, our favorite brand of car, our favorite computer, and so on. Is this fellowship? Well, maybe it is, maybe it's not. I think all of us could probably call it just chewing the proverbial fat. But what is fellowship? The Bible gives us a loftier definition in 1 John 4, 21. And this commandment have we from him, that he who loves God love his brother also. That's not an option. That's a commandment, the Bible said. It's a commandment. And I, I wonder tonight, and I've, we, I've been talking to some of our leadership and, 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 and my own heart and, and so on, I just wonder how many people around 
Grace Church within reasonable driving uh, distance would love to be a part of a family. Would love to feel like they belong. Would love to feel like they have people they can trust and people they can depend on. How many people would, would do you know that would love to have that opportunity? If we here at Grace Church could get it just a little bit better, if the folks here at Grace Church could work a little bit harder to reach out a little bit further and so on, I think we could find some people that would welcome the fellowship and the wholesomeness and the quality and character of this church. So God said, and this commandment have we from him, that he who loves God love his brother also. One translation said it this way, the person who loves God must also love other believers. So let's put the, the high bar up here and say that fellowship is our choosing to love God's people, to love God's family, no matter who they are. Not just the people you get along with the best. Not just the people you prefer to hang out with. But to love, genuinely love people. I heard about a church recently. Their building is about the size of this one. They have a few more people that attend than we do. Not very many. But they, 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 they it's, it's under the umbrella of uh, a wonderful effort they're doing at their church. But a part of it, a small part of it, is everybody on this side make it a point to get to know everybody on this side. And everybody on this side get a point to make everybody on that side. We all have this propensity to walk in the church building and sit in our seat and talk to a few people around us. Then we go out the door. And I've had this happen to me a thousand times. And I've been guilty of it myself. Who was that person sitting back there last Sunday morning? They've been here two or three Sundays. Does anybody know who that person is? You know, that kind of thing. We have to do a better job. You understand? We have to do a better job. I'm thinking right now in my family, growing up as a child, the reason we didn't speak to, the reason I didn't speak to my siblings is probably because I was really mad at them about something. And I'm mad and I'm pouting. Are we ever perceived that way when people come to our church and we don't talk to them? They say, well, what did I do? I didn't even do nothing. I've, I've hardly even been here before. Are these people mad at me because they're talking to me? What's the problem here? We, we, have to be, we have to be understand, certainly we have to understand what our duty and our obligation is. It begins in the lobby, and we've been working on that and um, all the way into the, to the sea. We have to love God's family, no matter who they are. Now, this can be rather vague and delicate, so let's try to proceed biblically and make it as practical as we can. The Apostle Paul helps us with a verse in his first letter to Timothy. He said, I'm writing, he says, so that you'll know how to live in the family of God. That family is the church. So what is the church? It's clearly not a building because we don't own it. It's not an institution. It's not an organization. It's not a club. It's a family. We're all born again into God's kingdom, into God's family. The moment God and God's people called me to minister at this place, I came into a new family. I did. There were people here that attended this church when we came that I didn't know. But I made it, obviously, I made it my business to know them and to get to know them. Someone said, church is not a place you go to. Church is a family you belong to. 
So we're going to take a look at four levels of functioning and belonging. The first is membership, choosing to belong. When you want to become a member, particularly at Grace Church, and we all know that process. But you choose to belong. But even at that, you can still belong without having to go through membership uh, process and what have you. It's you choose to belong. This is where I want to attend church. This is where I want to give my time on Sunday and Wednesday and other events and activities. This is something all churches struggle with, and apostolic churches are no different. People move, they transfer, they stay for a while. We even know the term, we're very familiar with the term church hoppers. Uh, We've all been acquainted with the the revolving door, the proverbial uh, revolving door, etc. There was a joke in the Baptist denomination where some statistician said, according to our membership records, there are more Baptists than there are people. Uh, It all rotates around, and it's all sometimes hard to keep track of and so on. But I want to encourage us tonight to be as proactive as we can about being a part of this church right here, right now. We are stronger when we make a commitment to a spiritual body. Yes, we are. We absolutely are. It's making an emotional promise to a body of believers, to a group, saying to this church community, I am with you. I am a part of this. I'm not just stopping by to see what's going on and to visit my friends. I'm becoming a part of this church family. Notice what it says in Ephesians 2.19. Now, therefore, we are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. The household of God, indicating family. You're members of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian, one translation said. So I want you to know tonight that I love you as pastor. I love you, and I want everyone to feel like you belong to Grace Church. I hear from lonely people from time to time who are feeling very discouraged, and I say to them, wouldn't you like to be at a place where many people will love you, will will pray for you, will say hello to you, will call you when you're sick or missing, where people will consider you family? I've said those things to people. Sometimes they come, sometimes they don't. But now we, we end up in our physical families by default. We end up in our nuclear families by default. But we have to enter into God's family by choice. We have to raise our hand and step up to the plate and say, I want to belong. I want to be a part of God's family. So let me open my heart to you tonight for a moment. And you'd expect this little speech because I'm the pastor and but I believe this even before I put on the, the, uh, the clerical collar, if you will. There's really no such thing in my view as Christianity apart from the church. Someone once wrote, the Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. There is no reference to solitary on your own religion. I, just, I, I don't think you can be an effective disciple of Jesus without being in the church. I've seen people try it. And it doesn't work. I've seen people claim they were doing it, but the evidence was very meager. And I say all of this kindly, but bear in mind this. The Christian church is the bride of Christ. It's Jesus' most beloved thing. When we, uh, when we absent ourselves permanently from the church, we're essentially trying to say to Jesus, I love you, but frankly, I can't stand your wife. So think of it kind of like this, trying to be a football player with no team or a tuba player with no band 
a bee without a hive, a soldier with no platoon. You can sum it up this way. A Christian without a church family is an orphan. God meant for us. It's biblical, folks. It is so biblical. God meant for us to be a part of a family, more specifically, his family. Reader's Digest shared this insightful bit of humor a number of years ago. It said, walking through the jungle, a hunter found a dead, ferocious-looking rhinoceros with a pygmy standing proudly beside it. Amazed, the hunter asked, did you kill that rhino? And the pygmy said, why, yes. And the hunter said, how could a little fellow like you kill a beast like that? He said, I killed it with my club. The astonished hunter exclaimed, wow, how big is your club? The pygmy said, there are about 90 of us. There's strength in number. Yes, there is. And if you've ever been at a hospital where a situation was hopeless or in a funeral home where people had no friends and family, then you understand the value of the church. Yes, you do. You don't know how amazing it is that people have passed, passed away in this church. I think of Brother Alexander, who was worthy of anything this church could do for him and Sister Alexander. They, they earned it. And we did our best to do everything we could to give him the greatest send-off we possibly could. But then there's other people that have passed that's just been kind of in the distance. Maybe not a stronger member. Maybe not quite as committed, but virtually got the same treatment. There's no discrimination. We've called around and asked ladies. Lisa has done a phenomenal job with that. When people kind of obscure and people hardly know them and they pass away in their family, there's not very many of them. But we tell them we'll have a meal for you in the A Center and it is just as beautiful when we walk in for them as it is anybody else. It's the beauty of God's family and it is so comforting. So you see, there is power in this family, in this church body that cannot be matched at your home, by yourself, and watching Grace Church be a live stream. Just not the same. In his book, The Body, Chuck Colson writes this. Following the pattern made normative in the book of Acts, each believer is to make his or own confession, be baptized, and become part of a local congregation with all of the accountability that applies. So membership in the church, in a church particular, is no more optional than membership in the church universal. I think that's a great point. If you're willing to be born again and take Jesus up on his redemptive offer, then the least you could do is find a local church somewhere and attend it faithfully and regularly. And everybody say amen. Amen. Unfortunately, he said, it is not uncommon for Christians to drift from congregation to congregation, usually where their friends lead them or where the pastor happens to give the most satisfying message. Many have no sense of roots or responsibility, and some never even join a local church very well said one key reason why it's important to be a joiner a member is because the church meets our needs and we meet the needs of each other paul said in romans 12 5 in christ we are who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the members look at it this way a liver and a kidney and a heart and the lungs needs to stay in one body building up the one body you separate them all apart and their purpose is virtually useless 
on a major league baseball team, the biggest success has come when the same guys are out there on the field day by day, every day. And what our church honestly needs today is a strong group of people, men and women, who are consistent pillars here, present week by week, building up this body right here. By the way, just as there are weddings where a person joins a new family in a public way, this family here has the same thing. You marry into the church and you get this whole family of believers. So the first level of fellowship is membership, choosing to belong. The second level is friendship and sharing. I hope everybody's listening. Uh, I'm teaching on purpose tonight. Clear back in the Garden of Eden, families were made for sharing. Bob Hope grew up in a family with a lot of brothers. He once said, we handed down pants until the seat was so threadbare. He said, I could sit on a dime and tell you if it was head or tail. <clears throat> That's some pretty unique gifting right there, is it not? <clears throat> uh, I read a line one time by comedian Bernie Mac who talks about sharing this way. He said, there were 13 kids in my family. We were so poor we had to eat cereal with a fork so we could pass the milk next kid. Uh, in Acts 2.44 describes a New Testament church. All the believers met together constantly and shared everything with each other. Something wonderful happens when we meet with each other and share. Some of you have uh, friendships that goes back 20, 25 years, even, even longer. There's people here tonight that have friends here. You have friends all over the area that's in the church. Maybe attend another church. You've been friends for years and years. One thing that's true is this. The friendships and the sharing will be as good as we make them be. We all know how to make friends and keep them. We, we, we either invest the time or we go home and do something else. But this church right here can be as rich in sharing and friendships as we decide to make it. So there's at least three things that we should share with each other. Number one is we can share our experiences. The Bible says we should do that. Donald Rumsfeld, our nation's former Secretary of Defense, was quoted a number of years ago saying, don't make all the same mistakes the last team in Washington made. Try to make new mistakes. And while we could have a little fun with that, it's true. We can share with each other and learn from past mistakes. I can appreciate sitting in meetings and hearing someone else's new and heretofore unthought of opinion, and it saves me from doing something foolish or destructive with my life. We should learn from each other's experiences. I heard a guy once whose boss put uh, on his job evaluation form, this person never makes the same mistake twice but I think he's made all of them at least once. <clears throat> As a collective body, sharing his collective wisdom, the church can keep from making unwise choices. On a personal level, as we are friends with each other, the same, is, the same thing is true. We teach and instruct and encourage each other. Proverbs 27, 17, and I hear this verse quoted often. People learn from one another just as iron sharpens iron. The second thing we can do is not only share experiences, but we can share our homes. Everybody say share our homes. <laughs> what we have in here from 11 to 12.30 on Sunday isn't really fellowship. It's worship and it's family, but it's not fellowship. And we get into some fellowship sometimes when we're eating in the Alexander Center and 
we have some out in the lobby until 10.59 and when we promptly come in and sit down and so we won't be late. But true fellowship happens in smaller groups. It happens in our home. 1 Peter 4.9 tells us, open your homes to each other. Some of the best fellowship I've ever had has been in the homes of our church people. Just a few weeks ago, I was invited to a, a very unique dinner that I thoroughly enjoyed. It was a repeat from another time cooked by the same people at the same house. But we were invited to the Adams house for breakfast at night. It was a breakfast bar. Kind of reminded me of Shoney's. Y'all remember the old Shoney's breakfast bar years ago? Kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Uh, it was amazing. It was amazing. The food was amazing. But the fellowship, the fellowship was quality. It was full of character. It was clean. It was true. It was honest. It was heartfelt. It was, it, it, it was joy in experiencing discussions and hearing people's opinions and so on. I have on occasion sat with our men who talked about their dreams for this church and they wanted to thrive and to be strong. They're eager for success. They want to be a part of something that is vision-driven and powerful, something they could invite their friends and family to with confidence. We're working hard to get back to that point. It's devastating to me, and I have heard it, that, Pastor, I'm just going to be real honest. I'd love to invite my friends to our church, but I just don't feel comfortable doing that. And it devast it's devastating, as you can imagine. It's, it's heart-piercing. We, we, we have to step up as a church and families to create a culture and environment here that's welcoming. And a lot of times it happens in your home. I've sat in the homes of people in this church, uh, been to the Tiplers numerous times. I've been to the Landry's numerous times. I probably shouldn't start calling names. Uh, been to Brother Henry's house. Um, Yes, the food is delicious and it's amazing, but I wish you could understand how amazing the fellowship is. Been to Donnie and Kathy's house and, and, and just several times, and, and on and on it goes. And I'm saying that with a little bit of agenda. We really enjoy in being invited to your house uh, for dinner. Uh, there are people here tonight. I've never been to your house. There's people here tonight. I don't know where you live, that's, and that's okay. But if you ever feel to change, just let me know. Uh, if you don't know if your cooking's very good or not, Sister Murph and I'll come over and we'll tell you. Uh, in one way or another, we'll let you know. Usually it's by the quantity of food that's eaten uh, is a good way you can tell. But I, I, I say these things in jest tonight, but I hope you get the point that the quality of fellowship that we can offer people is amazing. The quality of fellowship, the character of fellowship we can offer people is amazing. Where there's no foul language, there's no dirty movies, there's no cursing, there's no drinking, there's no gambling, there's none of, none, none of that, nothing off color, just pure, quality, heartfelt, sincere, honest fellowship. And I believe tonight our world is craving that out of somebody. We all have a propensity, and our culture has done that, that uh, we want to hide ourselves, we want to put a cocoon around ourselves. And um, television gives us a big excuse to do that. But there's another enemy 
it's automatic garage door openers. When we drive into our cul-de-sac and we flip open the, the, the garage door and we wheel in and hit the button and the door closes, and now we're safely in our fortress. We're shut in and we don't have to connect with our neighbors. We don't have to talk to anybody. We're, we're done. We can go in our house and, and we have it all to ourselves. I look back with shame at the times I've kind of maneuvered to keep my privacy to avoid an entangling conversation. I'll be straight up honest. Uh, Sister Murphy and I both knew there, there was a lady that lived in a subdivision we firmly lived in that, buddy, if she saw you drive up, here she comes and you're going to stand there for two solid hours unless you're just rude and walk away while she's talking. She's going to talk. So I'll be honest here tonight. I've circled the block one time and let her move on down the sidewalk. I just wasn't in a place. I wasn't trying to be rude. I wasn't trying to be anti-Christian or whatever. I just didn't have time to stand on my driveway and talk to this lady for two hours. And when you don't talk to her, you listen. She's one of those kind of people. And, uh, but I've, I've had my moments of, of guilty conscience over that. The Bible tells us to step outside of our sinful, selfish tendencies and to open up our homes to one another and to share that part of our lives. The third thing, and I'm trying to hurry. If I don't finish this tonight, we'll finish it next Wednesday. The third thing is to share our problems and concerns. Now, some people go overboard with this. There are people that we all know that if you walk up and say, how are you? They're going to tell you. They can't tell the lie that says, I'm doing wonderful. No, they're going to tell you the truth and they're going to take a long time to tell you. I told somebody one time, I have really regretted asking you how you're doing. I just meant it to be a generic greeting. Just no real substance. Didn't really, was looking for an answer. But dude, I'm just, you're wearing me out. You're making me want to go jump off the bridge with you. Uh, get this whole thing over with, whatever. But we are supposed to help carry one another's burdens in a proper and appropriate way. This is the third biblical mandate, and I'm trying to hurry. God's word invites us to share our problems and concern. And there's an old line that goes, when you share a joy, it's doubled. When you share a problem, it's cut in half, meaning that we bear one another's burdens. I'm sure we can all remember times of personal crisis where a church friend simply stopped by and was present. Moments like those are huge, and we can't put a price tag on any of them. I heard a minister talk. Uh, uh, he, he, he did a, actually did an interview. He had a, a 16, 18-year-old son that, that uh, committed suicide. And, and he kept getting cards and letters, cards and letters. He's a very well-known person. And if I called his name, you'd probably even remember the story yourself. But he said, so many people wrote in a card, I'd love to come see you, but I don't know what to say. And he literally, he kept reading that over and over and over. So he literally designed and built a ministry through his own tragic loss of, of his son. And he just called it present ministry. You don't have to say anything. Don't say anything. Just show up. Just be there. Don't stare real gawky, but, but manifest a heart of concern, of compassion. And if you ask me to do anything right now for you, I'll get up and do it to the very best of my ability. It's this kind of fellowship our world needs so badly. This kind of fellowship where we help bear one another's burdens. And this kind of fellowship has to happen mostly away from here in our homes. But one of the key Bible verses on this is found in Hebrews 10, 25, when it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. 
as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And then so much the more as you see the day approaching. One translation said, let us not give up the habit of meeting together, the author writes. Instead, let us encourage one another. Uh, I'm going to stop right here. I don't have time to finish this tonight. I, I still have a little bit to go. But you can see where the church family is, is so important and so vital. And I think across the board, Grace Church does a great job as a church family. I've oftentimes, uh, I remember one time uh, not too long ago, we were invited to the Templars' house for dinner. And they just said, come over for dinner. And we said, sure, what time? We'll be there. It's a, we can be there in 30 minutes. It wasn't quite that bad, but it's pretty close. When we pulled up in the driveway, we saw other cars there. And, and I didn't recognize them. But as we got out of the car, we realized that they had also invited, I think it's two or three other families from the church there. I thought it was a great idea to blend people together. We're going to invite this family, this family, this family. They may know each other really well. They may be related, or they may sit on opposite sides of the church, but we're going to invite people to blend them together. I hope people are listening tonight. I hope we're listening tonight. I'm going to stop right here. I don't have time to, to finish this. But this is God's church, and he's given us biblical precedent. He's given a biblical commandment to love one another and to love people especially God's people. But God don't love his people more than he does people that are not his people. He loves everybody the same. We know that. So it behooves us to love people and to show that love and to manifest that love. God bless you tonight. Thank you so very much for being here. And uh, I thank, thank you for the Wednesday night revival of, uh, of seat changing, seat swapping. That's, that's pretty amazing. Thank you. Thank you so very much for that. Can you be dismissed setting down? Is that okay? Uh, God bless you. We'll dismiss you from setting down, and we'll look forward to seeing you Sunday. God bless you, and thank you for being here tonight. <clears throat>